Hey Conjugate Chat friends, this is Mike Cunningham from Gill Athletics and I need your help. Or maybe I need to help you. See, we have a crap ton of rubber bumper plates and other weight room items that we need to clearance. We need to clear them out of our factory. That's right, a crap ton. That's the official measurement. All offers will be considered. Email me at mcunningham at gillathletics.com to see the full list and check out the show notes right here on Conjugate Chats for a link to see the items and my email address. Thanks everybody and stay strong. And overall, it's I would attribute it to it at minimum, at minimum, two of our wins last year. I would say really three. Um, there's three games that I know specifically. We got to the fourth quarter against a team that when you looked at us and you looked at them, you wouldn't think it was a game. We got to the fourth quarter, we ended up winning, not because we made some tactical, amazing decision, but because our kids were fresh and their kids were not. And we're talking, it's week seven, eight, nine in the season. Hey, welcome to, I guess, a new segment or a new episode or a new series called The Conjugate Rants. So um, I thought we'd start off strong and bring Dan Mullins back on the third time. Is this the third time? Yes, it's the third time being back on uh, the Conjugate Chats. And uh, he's got some GPS talk for us, so I'm going to leave the mic to him. I appreciate you. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I know we, we started having this conversation and kind of it, it was a three-way conversation in our text chat between the two of us and, and Kyle Jackson. And then all of a sudden we're like, Let's just go ahead and record this. <laughs> I love how that works, man. And I love having, you know, groups of people that we can we can bounce ideas off of and bounce stuff off that we're seeing, you know. Um, this is this is one of those conversations that's kind of a, a conversation that I never thought that I would be able to have um and ever be ever being able to be involved with. Um, it's something, you know, that I think as we see more and more, especially in the states that that the state that I'm in and being in Georgia, um, there's there's a kind of this arms race of, of technology um, facilities and, and big name coaches and things like that. Um, mostly because of the fact that it, it really is open enrollment for the most part um, where kids, especially athletes, you see them transferring multiple times. Um, some of them multiple times within a four year career. Um, and it's something, you know, that um, I think obviously we don't have NIL, um, but I think the college transfer portal and the college NIL deals and all that stuff is kind of starting to trickle its way down to the high school setting where we see it and that's what we want. Um, and obviously parents, you know, I can't blame them. Parents want what's best for their kids. So they're going to send them to the place that has the best tools, that have the best facilities, that have, you know, the best coaches. It's not, it's not the way that it was, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago where, you know, you had what you lived where you were and, and local coaches developed talent. And that's where you saw um, kind of this, the, this even playing field. Well, fast forward now and with the abundance and the, the price point that uh, GPS among, you know, among other tech, but we're specifically talking about GPS today, but the price point that GPS has, has really dropped to, has really made this proliferation of GPS within the high school setting to where if you don't have it, especially in states like Georgia, um, the best talent in those kids are going to go to things like that because they see power five schools, they see FCS schools, they see these big name colleges using things like GPS and that's what they think they need and they have, well, this high school has it, well, I'm going to go there. Um, so what you're seeing is a lot of high schools starting to get it because that's what you need in order to keep up with some of those big name high schools that have it. Um, so I think, 
that's kind of where this conversation all started from is that that abundance of GPS and the abundance of these tracking methods and these tools um, are, are starting to be seen at multiple locations. They're starting to be seen um, at schools, you know, whether it's 40 units or whether it's five or 10 units um, and everywhere in between, you're starting to see them uh, pop up to, to schools that, you know, uh, they're, they're allocating funds, they're fundraising specifically for these things so that that way they can have them too in order to keep pace. And, you know, part of me says that, you know, that's really, really good, um, for, especially for our industry, um, especially for those kids, especially for athletes as a whole. It is good. It is a good thing. Um, it does allow a lot of things, um, whether it's top speed metrics, you can track progress, you can track um, your movements across practices, you can track so many things, especially when it comes to not only athlete performance, but also return to play um, when you're coming off of injuries and things like that. So, um yeah, so I think this, I think the abundance and and really the um, the availability of GPS has is is really what's caused this conversation. What we're gonna be, we're we're really talking about and where this all started was that I think you know as I was sitting there thinking and and prepping um, for for a conversation, GPS is a really powerful tool, and I don't want that to get lost in in this conversation today. Um, but I think the biggest thing that we have to think about is we have to be able to use the entirety of the tool or we shouldn't have it at all. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I made a post a couple of weeks back that said, uh, we're talking about how, if, if the only thing that we measure using GPS is, is top speed, then really it's just a glorified marketing tool. And that's all we purchased. And we just, we spent a, a really expensive amount of money just to be able to track top speed and, and don't get me wrong. Top speed is a, is an important metric. I don't want that to get mixed up. Top speed is important because number one, it shows us how a player, how athletes in general are are, are tracking over the course of a four-year preparation program. Um, but it's also a tool that allows us for tissue readiness and tissue tolerance and all those things. It's a great intensity tool. Um, so I don't want that to get messed up. It is something that we have to track. But it only having GPS, having wearable GPS technology for your athletes, whether it's football, soccer, or just a preparation program, having wearable GPS and only tracking top speed, in my opinion, is like having a Ferrari and driving the speed limit. Um, you know, you're you're only tapping into just a portion of what it is. Yes, it's it's showboating. Yes, you turn eyes, just like you know, you're you're sitting there, you watch a Ferrari go by, um, and and yeah, they're driving the speed limit. Well, that's cool, but that's that's only a little bit of what it can do. You're not really utilizing it optimally. Um, and and when I really did dive deep into it and I think about this. GPS is kind of like a roadmap, right? So as strength conditioning professionals, as football coaches, whoever's utilizing this tool, we we have this map. So like if you go back to when when my parents were learning how to drive, um, they they would take out a map uh, and plot their plot their course. They go from here. I need to go from here to here, um, and this is how much time I should allocate. These are the turns I need to make. They'd write down the directions. If they're taking a trip, they'd write down, "Hey, I need a pit stop here. Um, here's where about where I need to fill up for gas." All those things you'd plan that route. Um, having having a map that's like having that GPS and only using it for top speed. Right? There's things you can get from it. There's distances. There's a track. There's a landmark. You're going in the right direction, but fully using gps like wearable technology gps is like utilizing ways 
uh, where where Apple Maps has started doing now too. You get traffic alerts, you get better routes. If you want, if you're hungry and you want to use something along the way, you can add a stop into your play. It tells you where speed checks are. It tells you where wrecks are. It tells you all the information that you need to go from point A to point B. All you got to get it do. All you have to do is get in and press go. That's what the full power of having GPS technology does for you. And I think some of the coaches um, that we're seeing, some of these programs that are getting it, they're really just scratching the surface of what it's capable of doing. And in my opinion, that's really just a disservice to the athletes that are coming to your school, the ones that are already there and the ones that it honestly recruits. Because like I said, it is a recruiting tool because we are trying to keep up with the Joneses a little bit, at least in the state of Georgia. Um, and I know some of the other guys that I've talked to out of state, they're, they're feeling the same pressures. But like I said, getting those GPS tools, we have to be able to learn how to use them. And I think I think back to coaches, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, um, when you dealt when you dealt with the heat, right? There I, there might have been wet bulb thermometers. I don't think there was probably wet bulb thermometers back then. But you would go by, you know, whatever the temperature is. Then as technology progressed and we got other tools, we and, and and the research progressed, we realized that it wasn't just about temperature, it was also about the humidity. So then we then wet bulb thermometers were developed, and then we had to take certain breaks and we weren't able to practice over certain temperatures or certain perceived temperatures on the wet bulb, right? So as the technology progressed and as our understanding of what was actually happening progressed, the burden of liability on us as coaches got deeper, right? We're not able to at certain temperatures, we have to ab absolutely stop practice. At certain temperatures, we have to give water breaks so frequently or other breaks so frequently, right? So there's there's different levels of liability that as this technology and as our understanding of it um, have come about, we've had to educate ourselves and we had to, we've had to to incorporate into our practice. Well, with same thing with GPS technology, um, with, with wearable GPS, whether regardless of of what models you're using, because there's plenty out there, regardless of the model you're using. It's our responsible our responsibility as practitioners of this sport and of performance to be able to take all the tools and understand and educate ourselves, whether self-taught or whether getting in touch with people who have used it, who have experienced it, or even the people who are inventing it and manufacturing it and pushing it out, those companies. We need to be able to partner with other people to be able to better understand the technology and the power of the tools that we have at our disposal. Because if we're slapping GPS on our kids, if we're slapping these tracking tools, we better be under, able to understand and be able to communicate what each of those metrics are, as, at least at a baseline level. If I can say, if I have a parent ask or a kid get injured, and a parent get it, say, hey, I know he has a GPS, he's had a, the, the GPS on him. Uh, what are some of the data? What are some of the things that led up to the injury? I should be able to, over the course of last week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, be able to say, hey, this is these are the metrics we we look at. These are the metrics that are typically, um, you know, we can use to make decisions based off practice volumes, practice intensities. And this is where your child um, was was tracking over the course of the last week. So there was nothing that we said, no red flags um, that said, hey, this injury might occur. Or maybe there was and say, hey, uh, you know, we talked, to, we spoke to coaches and we said, Hey, we should pull them out of these, uh, these specific drills or these specific periods within practice in order to make them, uh, to, to pull back on some of the volume that we're exposing them to. So these are some conversations that we have to be able to have. We have to be able to scratch past, get past that surface level conversation, especially for those of us that have it. 
for those of us that don't, there's still some things that we can do and that we can utilize some tools that we can utilize if we don't have GPS to help us structure our programs. Um, there's a lot of coaches out there that have GPS that are willing to give um, some of our normative data. So like I know, for instance, I spoke at the Georgia State Clinic um, and then uh, and, and I shared some of our our big skills and our mids classifications from football um, of some of our data from the games. So that, that way, some of our, some of the coaches who don't have those tools, who don't have those data or that the data collection tools, they can start structuring their offseason program. Um, it's also some of some coaches that have just recently got it. They don't have a full day season of data to do. So I'm going to give them some of my my baseline averages of what we found from position groups so that they can utilize that to structure their program so that they can shoot toward week one um, and shoot toward camp. And you start utilizing some of those more complex tools rather than just top speed and speed yardage. All right. Again, those are those are two really good things. Those those are one intensity and one volume based metric um, that we use when it comes to building out our programs. But those are just the surface. Um, I was talking to Mark Hoover the other day and really why, yes, speed yardage is a great indicator of volume um, and top speed is a great indicator of intensity. So we've got how hard somebody, uh, an athlete is working. That would be like their top speed metric. That's an intensity value. And you also how much they're working. And that would be our, um, our speed yardage or our sprint distance, or, um, however you, you, you know, you want to think about it. It's, it's how far they're running a certain distance at a certain intensity. So for my, our metrics, we have it set at around anywhere between 70 and 80%, depending on what their top speed metric is. So that anytime they reach 70 to 80% of that top speed of their individual top speed value, it tracks every yard that they spend in that speed zone. Um, and that allows me to say, Hey, based off our game data, this is how much we should be sprinting in the off season. This is how much we need to be sprinting and prepping for practice for seven on sevens and all the things. Right. Um, but those are just two metrics. So those are the two primary classifications. You have your intensity and you have your, uh, your volume metrics. But what Hoover and I were talking about the other day is we were using, we were talking about that only still only paints just a little bit of a picture, right? You have other, another metric called player load. That's going to take into account essentially how hard someone's working in a three-dimensional plane. So it's tracking acceleration over a, a distance over a sp specific amount of time. Um, and it takes, it puts it in, pl plugs it into a, um, an algorithm and spits out a, a coefficient score. Um, and essentially it tracks a, the easiest way to describe it is it tracks how hard someone's working over a given amount of time. That's another great metric, but one of the primary metrics that we're beginning to look at is high-speed accelerations and decelerations. All right. Um, and this kind of comes in from a Tony Villani, Les Spellman kind of, uh, kind of way of thinking where obviously the, you have to be able to run fast, right? If you don't have a, if your receiver can't sprint vertically, you can't stretch the field. There's not, there's not much you can do. So obviously max velocity has a component to it, but there's also a component where you have to be able to put your foot in ground and change directions. So we need to be able to track and we need to be able to expose the tissues of the knees, the ankles, the hips. We need to be able to expose the body to those high speed accelerations going fast, starting from a stop and going, or starting from a really slow speed, putting our foot in the ground and accelerating toward max velocity. And we also need to be able to uh, put our foot in the ground and stop. If we're not exposing our kids to those kind of intensities, uh, accelerations and decelerations, then that's where we start to see um, a lot of the exposure issues when it comes to, and chances of injury, when it comes to knees, ankles, hips, all those things. So we have to be able to track those things. Um, 
if I'm not exposing my kids in the off season to enough change of direction work with intent and being able to do high speed accelerations and decelerations, then when they're going to go do it in seven on seven and when they do it in camp and we do it, when they do it week one in our season, um, then they're not going to be prepared for it. That's when they put their foot in the ground, their foot doesn't move. Right. And we start to have mechanical issues up the chain, ankles, knees, hips, low backs, all those things um, that we see, especially early season um, because they're not prepared for it. So those high speed accelerations, accelerations and decelerations do matter. They're an excellent metric. Um, and those are things that we're starting to uh, to dive in and talk about how important are those things um, and how can we trap them better. Um, trying to get them out of like the buried reports within GPS, um, whether, re again, regardless of what service provider you use, Catapult, Titan, Sport Tech, whatever, um, any of those. And we want to get them onto those main screens so we can track them easier. And then once we have kind of where we or what our athletes are going to be able to do, um, we, we need to figure out how to progress it over the course of an off season. Um, so how to progress them through summer in order to prep them for camp. Uh, Mark has a, has a quote that's, that's really stuck with me since the first time that we talked about this um, is that we always want to prepare them for the next hardest thing. And for the vast majority of football programs, it's either seven on uh, big seven on seven tournaments, which in, in my region of the country, they're huge. So like our, um, our team, we went out to uh, UGA last year and we competed out there. Well, we ended up playing, I think it was 11, uh, might have been nine, um, nine games of seven on seven in one day. And the championship round was game 11. So if you were going to make it to the championship game, you were going to play 11 games in one day. Um, that's that's a lot of yardage, especially on those top those top level receivers, DBs. And uh, so that that's absolutely something we have to prepare them for. Aside from that, really, the next hardest thing for the on the team level is going to be camp. For us, we in, in Georgia, we have padded camp where we'll go play three game, three halves of football. Um, there's specific rules with it. It's only shells, so you're you're in no lower body pads. It's not full tackle. There's it's a quick whistle, this and that, but it gets pretty physical, um, and it's really really close to football. Um, so we we'll, we'll prepare a little bit for that, uh, but we're our really our end game is that August first date when we can start camp, and then we're going hardcore nose the grindstone, getting ready for week zero, getting ready for week one. Um, so that's the next hardest thing. That's what we want to prepare them for. So much like you would in any other class, right? right? You're teaching science, you're teaching history, you're teaching math. You're going to start at the test and you're going to reverse engineer your entire unit. So what are the things that we need to prep them for? Well, we just established on you know, speed, player load, high speed, A cell, D cells, um, all those things, front yardage. And so we know this is the target of where we need to be come August. So now let's work backwards. Let's plan July backwards. Let's plan June backwards. Um, and it's really just a progressive overload like you would in the weight room, right? I start with a certain amount of yardage right now at a certain speed, certain player loads that I'm aiming for, and a certain number of A cells uh, and D cells within each week or each session. And then I'm going to build it. And we're going to increase, 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 increase. And it's, then it's, it's really about the coach finding what works for us and what fits into our system, the amount of time that we have with athletes and those things to be able to make these things work. But that is my responsibility. That's my job as a coach, right? If I leave uh, the weight room and we step out on the football field, and I'm like, I know it's a little bit different because I am a coach um, and I, I do follow them. But let's say, for instance, we're talking football. If I prep, if if I leave, stop in the weight room and let my guys go, then I'm I'm only doing a portion of my job. If I'm not understanding what our head football coach, our position coaches, 
if I'm not at, if I'm not ensuring what they're putting our athletes through, that has an effect on me. If I'm not following up with them saying, hey, these are the these are the this is the data that we collected off of practice yesterday or can't or whatever the activity was yesterday. This is what we did yesterday, and um, this is what we're doing in the weight room. Here's some ideas. Maybe we need to pull back in these areas of practice, whether it's seven on seven routes on air, whatever the case may be. This time of year, we need to pull some of those volume metrics back so that our guys can actually recover because we want them fresh. If they're they're never going to kind of like what Tony Holler says, the best way to get fast is sprint fast, fast, right? We're not going to fatigue them quickly, turn around and make them sprint again. Because, well, you're just taking away from that rep. The fastest way for our receivers and our DBs, especially to get better, is to go full speed in reps. Um, and in order to do that, they have they can't be fatigued. They have to be 100 percent. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. And, and that's kind of where this conversation started was how many coaches that I've talked to that are like, all right, hey, we're going to we're tracking top speed. OK, yeah, that's that's a. That's good. I'm glad that you have the capability to do that. You can tell if your speed program is working, your max velocity program is working because you can track that. But there's so much more to that that we have to be able to do. The burden of responsibility for us as coaches is that we have to be able to take um, all the tools and all the powers that we have within our GPS capabilities. We have to put them to the test. We have to be able to understand them. We have to be able to communicate with them. We have to be able to use them in order to make decisions about practice and in order to structure an off-season program. Um, that's the same same exact way as in the weight room, right? If you can't progress over the course of an off-season, then what on earth, what, what are you capable of doing? What can you do as a strength coach if you're not able to start in one position, to start in one portion of the season and build out an entire program? I'm not an effective strength coach. Well, I'm not an effective performance uh, director of athletic performance if I can't do that with our technology either. So how can I sit in front of my administration and say, hey, we need the X, Y, Z. We need this tool. If I can't tell them specifically how I'm going to use it, or if I'm only going to use one or two things. And I mean, the reason why I'm, I, I, I get, I get, I don't want to say fired up, but the, the reason why I get a little bit more passionate about this is because these are some of those same mistakes I did. I thought uh, when I first got GPS, I thought I was doing a fantastic job of collecting data, of using data. Um, we tracked top speed, we tracked speed yardage, uh, sprint distance, and we tracked player load. Um, and I, I, looking back, like I, I did the best that I could because we got them right before our season. We got them um, in August, and our first game was August, I think it was 14th or 19th, something along those lines. Um, so I, I didn't have much time to learn. Um, we just, we got them, we threw them on, we started, right? And I started collecting data. But then after we got back at the end of the season, I looked back and I said, man, there's all these other things, these other components that I should have been able to take a look at where I was missing buckets, right? I could have filled buckets here and there um, on our rainy days when I had them in class in season. We could have been doing some A cell, D cell work in our weight room. There's things that we could have been doing where I should have had been able to target red flags within our high speed acceleration, accelerations and decelerations. But I wasn't I didn't know. Um, so that's why. Again, I thought I thought I had this great idea, right? I thought I was using it well. I thought I was integrating it properly. Um, and then I just realized through conversations that I really wasn't. And that being able to take a look at that is, is a huge piece. But I talk to coaches that think like, no, GPS is for, for top speed. God, like you're missing the boat. 
if you think that GPS is for collecting top speed and sprint distance, man, you are you are a base level coach that just is an intaker of performance data. I want to be able to develop an entire athlete from the beginning to the end that can is capable and competent to make cuts, to make moves, to be able to ask whatever is to do whatever's asked of them. And that I can't do that by just collecting top speed and sprint distance. There's so much more information that I need to be able to do. Again, communicate with coaches, communicate with parents, communicate with players. That's the basis of my job. As a director of athletic performance at the fundamental level, I have to be able to intake data, know where athletes are right now, know where I'm trying to push them and be able to communicate a plan to take them from A to B. If I can't do that, I need to educate myself. So there's some resources out there um, because again, I, I don't want this to come off as sounding like this is the problem coaches that aren't doing this, you're not meeting the boat or you're not meeting expectations. So don't try. I don't, that's the last thing that I want this to come off as. There's definitely some resources that I think um, are, are really great tools um, to help get you there, right? How to use the rest of the data, how to use and structure off seasons, how to use these other metrics, because that's where that we want to fill that gap. We want to be able to utilize all the things right. We want to be able to utilize the full power of port technology GPS. So number one, um, simplyfaster.com has some excellent articles, right? Some, uh, I believe one was written um, by Joey Garasio down at Florida Atlantic. But also Mark Hoover's published several um, of what GPS technology looks like in high, especially in the high school setting. Uh, Mark Hoover is one of the most, the best coaches that I've ever talked to and is, one of the most humble guys, he will fill in knowledge gaps. Um, I'm willing to talk to coaches. I know Mark is, and I know other guys in the NHSSCA we are, that have it. We are willing to talk to get coaches to be able to help fill and point you in the direction. If it's something that I don't know, a question I don't know how to answer, I know who to point you to. Uh, there's questions. There's We, we want to help you. We want to be able to take you so that you can utilize, utilize those things, but I don't I, I don't know what you need unless we start that conversation in some way. So feel free to reach out to me. Free feel feel free to reach out to Mark. Um, if you are an NHS SCA member, um, they're they are publishing the organization is publishing all the the uh, clinic talks from this year. Um, go back. I, I delivered a a uh, at the Georgia State Clinic in April. I delivered a um, GPS conversation of how to intake data or how to use data from GPS and structure your entire off season. I talked about that reverse engineering process. I talked about what some of those drills look like um, within the week. And then I gave some normative, normative data um, for, for our, our position groups. So those, that's a great place to start. If you, whether you have GPS or not um, go back and look at some of those things. There's other, there, I know there are other coaches within that, um, within that database um, that have presented on GPS as well. Uh, but this is a conversation that that really needs to be had and really needs to be open because we need to be able to say that, hey, coach, we're not missing or we are missing the mark in X, Y, Z. That doesn't mean you're a terrible coach. That just means you don't know better because you just got a new tool. A lot of us are still trying to figure this out. I just told you I'm making mistakes as I go, but I'm talk, I'm surrounding myself by people that are using it who are immersing themselves in the same kind of experience. So that they can say, we can share our experiences and we can share, hey, these are some of the mistakes that I've made. And then we can together cooperatively create a better program and a better plan. 
I benefit, they benefit, my athletes benefit, their athletes benefit. And at the end of the day, we're trying to put out a better product on the field. And that's what all of us do, whether it's field, court, whatever sport we're trying to prep athletes for. Uh, that's our that's our job. So in my opinion, why should I not give it? Why should my athletes not have the right of me working hard or me going to find turn over every stone and leave no stone unturned to be able to find the education that I need in order to better prepare them. That's my job. That's what I'm paid for, right? So when we get these tools, whether it's uh, Titan, Catapult, whatever, when we get these tools, when we get our hands on these tools, ask questions. The, the reps that you're working with should be the most knowledgeable on their product. The vast majority of them are coaches and have used it at some level. Talk to them, ask them questions, ask them what questions they, uh, what mistakes they made when they first started implementing it. If they don't, ask them to get you in touch with high school coaches that have uh, have used their product. So that, that way they can communicate. They can talk about some of those things. What methods are they used to tracking data over periods of time? Ask all those questions because, again, the worst thing that you can do as a high school coach is get this tool and only track top speed, only track sprint distance, only track player load. This is a much more powerful tool that, in my opinion, we, as practitioners, again, we have to be able to answer more questions than that because that's only using one-tenth maybe of what the tool's capable of. So if I have the tool, you better believe it, that I'm going to learn how to use that tool in order to put out a better product. So this, again, this conversation is less about, about trying to ruffle feathers and say, this is where we're we're you know, we're falling apart or where we're missing that mark and more about saying that there are educational pieces out there. We just have to be able to say, Hey, I need help and reach out to them. Uh, there, again, there's resources everywhere around you. Um, I know, I know uh, I'm willing to talk to anybody anytime. I know coach Hoover is willing to talk to anybody. He can get on his calendar um, and, and schedule a time to talk to him. Um, you've got people within this business who are just trying to help other people. So we need to be able to set our ego aside, ask those questions that we need, identify where we need help, and fill those gaps because our athletes deserve it. Yeah, Dan, and I, I do want to kind of chime in on a couple of things here. Um, there's a difference between uh, ruffling, you know, ruffling some feathers and speaking the truth. And uh, you know what you're talking about right now with the GPS talk. I mean, it may rather some feathers and so be it, but at the, in the name of educating ourselves, pushing the profession forward and utilizing that technology, that GPS to our fullest advantage. I mean, that's, that's just, you know, trying to make us better coaches and implementing something that's of high value to not only the industry, but to our athletes as well. Like if you're going to implement this, you're going to implement all of it, not just implementing a couple bits and pieces of it, um, because it's such it's so much more than just like, oh, we're just going to take a look at top speed. Like you can do so much with it. You're you're limiting yourself if you're just looking at a couple components there. I think and that's so true, not only not only aspect of what we're talking about specifically with GPS, but as coaches in general, think about. Think about the athletes that you work with. I think about the athletes that I work with. And when I think about 
how do I even I go about identifying ways that each of them need to get better, right? Like if we think about it this way, you've got an athlete that has tight hips. You know this because there are certain markers of it, right? You you witness them, you see them. Well, how do you have that conversation with saying, hey, you know, uh, player X, we have you have tight hips. We need to focus on doing these things here. So we need to be able to do that. Well, if I'm not able to take a step back and have that conversation with an athlete to identify that they have a problem, they're going to continue within the same patterns to go about to continue making their tips, hips tighter. Well, if in order to fix the problem, we have to be able to have that conversation and admit, hey, this is where we've been missing the mark. We've been missing it in the hip mobility. So let's instead of just continuing and put our head in the sand and just ignore the problem, let's admit we have an issue here. Let's hear the ways. And it's not your fault. It might be genetics. It might just be a pattern of how we've been training. Let's admit, though, that there is an issue. And let's put these steps in a place to educate ourselves on how to fix it. You, player X, you need to do these drills on your own. We'll, and we'll do these drills and we're together. Hey, look, tight hips are gone. They could probably run faster, jump higher. They squat better, move better in general. Like all these things are going to get fixed. Well, if I, But if I'm never able to say, hey, we have tight hips and I can't identify that issue, then they're not getting better. Our team's not getting better and we're just getting held back. Well, same thing here in this conversation. If I, as a coach, have a weakness and I'm not willing to say, hey, I have a weakness in this area, where can I get those gaps of education filled? Then I'm never going to get better as a coach. And the only people suffering are not me, but my athletes that I'm working for. Absolutely, Dan. And I mean, like, in, even in in uh, a changing profession, right? So it's no longer just the Power Five, um, D one college athletes utilizing this technology. It's high schools now. Um, I think it's even gone down to the middle school level. I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that on that too. But like, we're getting to the nitty gritty of it too. So why not change with the times and adapt to what's going on? you know, across the nation right now. Um, you know, there's some schools that are a little bit more privileged and, you know, are, you know, blessed with the opportunity to have GPS units. Um, and, you know, if you're one of those coaches that have one of those, G you know, GPS units, you should be utilizing it to your full advantage, not only for yourself, for your education, you know, to pass on maybe another coach, but also to your athletes and your coaches as well. Because if you can bring data points to the table and say, look, they're getting a ton of load during practice and then they're going to the weight room and they're busting their tails for three, four days a week, however long that you do your program. You know, let's kind of peel back on a couple of these things here. Let's mm -hmm. lighten the load. Uh, uh, you know, it's not only for, you know, your coaches understanding where you're coming from, but also an athlete safety at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things too that like there's tools within I don't I don't care which platform platform you use, um, every platform the online portion of their tools have options where specifically for football and soccer and things like that where you can tag individual portions of your practice. So like I can go in and label uh, seven on seven, Skelly routes on air, Indy, so that we can identify as coaches. We can sit down as coaches and say, hey, these players had this during this drill. Okay, well next week when we come back. I see that you want to have that same drill here on Wednesday. Well, let, do me a favor. Let's move this drill to Tuesday and take that drill that we had on Tuesday and put it at Wednesday because it's a less intense drill. And we're trying to make our intensity go along the, the weekly intensity um, chart to prep for Friday. 
Well, if I'm not utilizing all the tools, yes, tagging practice in Catapult, tagging practice in Titan, they're they're a little bit, they take a couple extra minutes, but those minutes are worth it in order to be able to say like, hey, I want this athlete to be fresh on Friday. So I need to be able to take the turn to the time to look at our practice schedule and say, hey, when were our highest volumes, when were our highest intensities in practice and be able to swap them in days and and make sure that our goals of what we want, whether if we want practice to be a high day on Tuesday, a mid uh, a low day on Wednesday and then a brisk day on Thursday, like I need to make sure that our practice plans match up to that. And I, as the keeper in, in our in our school, in our program, I'm the keeper of the GPS because I'm the one that knows it the best because that's my job. And so I need to be able to take those and look and, and match them up and make sure that, hey, but you said you wanted a, a midday this Tuesday because we're still beat up from last week. Well, you've got these drills planned and this is when we get after it and we're going to end up having a high day. So maybe we should switch these, bump these to Wednesday. That's my job. But if I'm not taking the time on my part to educate myself and to, to break down the portions of the drills and break down that data, then I can't make those recommendations the way that I should be able to. Um, again, this is that next wave. I could either sit back and say, Hey, here's our practice. This was the intensity of practice today and be reactionary and say, Hey coaches, here's our practice data from today. Here's our practice data from for each week, or here's a breakdown of the week. Or I could be a proactive coach, learn the tools because again, we're all learning it. It's not something that's been around for forever. Um, I, I mean, some coaches have used it longer than others and have a really good grasp on it. I've used it for a year now. Um, so I, I'm starting to feel like I have a better grasp of it. So like, instead of sitting on my hands, I'm going to educate myself on how to make my my practice better, understand the, the tool better, and then implement it into our practice schedule better. And I thought about a question while you were talking about that as well. So a lot of times in, um, we present data to coaches and they oftentimes look at it and say, you know, cool, you know, whatever, what does this mean? How do you make it to where your head coach, your sport coaches, your other sport coaches, um, it's digestible for them because, you know, that's not their realm. Um, you know, a few of you know, like, like yourself and myself are sport coaches and we're also strength coaches as well. Mm-hmm. And we understand we can geek out to like, these GPS units and looking at max velocity speeds and all mm-hmm. the, and loads of a player and stuff like that. How do you make it manageable for your other coaches to understand what's going on? I laugh when you ask this question because um, we went to this off season, we went to the university of Georgia host a big coaching clinic and we went down there and it was me, our head coach and uh, one, uh, two other position coaches and uh, he was talking to another head coach that he was friends with. And I'm sitting there talking to another uh, another buddy of mine. And he goes, hey, Dan, come here. I was like, walked over and said, yeah, what's up? He's like, hey, um, what are the what are the terms? This is he introduced. He's like, this is so-and-so. He's interested in some GPS stuff. Um, they're about to buy, uh, interested in buying some GPS stuff. Um, what are some of the things that they should track? And I instantly like, it's like, oh, okay, well, we track this, 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 and this. And the big one I said, I said, uh, we track acute chronic work for workload ratio. And they both start laughing. He, and he goes, uh, our head coach looks at me. He's like, see, I told you just a science nerd over here. So I'm like, all right, well, the part of me feels good about that. Part of me now, like I get it. Yes. I'm, I'm working on my doctorate degree. Like I fine, call me a nerd is what it is. But, um, so, so you raise a good point. Like we have to be able to communicate these in terms where, you know, coaches actually understand, um, in, 
So I, I boil it down a little bit to kind of make it a little bit more elementary. And it may be the proper term for it. It may not be. Um, I don't care. This is how I communicate it. And this is how our head coach understands. So again, we talked about the intensity metrics and we talked about the volume metrics um, very briefly, but I essentially say, Hey coach. Um, and he, he, again, because of the rapport of what he's seen with us um, and how we do it, how we use it and the effectiveness of it, he just believes me. Um, I can go to him and I say, Hey coach, this is how hard we worked and this is how much we worked. So that volume is the, how much we worked. The intensity is the, how hard we worked. And that's all I have to tell him. I'm like, Hey coach, the practice um, on the volume side was about an eight out of 10 on the intensity side. It was about a six and a half out of 10. I'm like, we, we both have a measuring stick of what our 10 practices. We can point to two practices that we specifically had this year and that we're saying, that was the 10 on both intensity and volume. So we we have that shared knowledge from of it because of our shared experience that I can say, I can go to him and say, hey, our our intensity, our how hard we worked was X and our how much we worked was Y. Um, and he understands that. So that's one way that I've kind of bridged that gap um, with some of our, like our receivers coaches. Um, he's our receiver, primary receiver coach. He's a um, he's our track coach as well. So I kind of taught him a little bit of it. I said, hey, this is our sprint yardage this is what it means. Some more some of the more basic stuff. And then we're kind of progressing into some of the more scientific stuff. Um, these are what these numbers mean and things like that. So I actually send him the report and he looks at it and he takes uh, he takes quite a bit of time and actually like builds his drills based off like where we are in the week. Um, I have a dashboard that I collect. Um I have target numbers for each athlete based off how much yardage they should get each week in season. Um, and he'll, he'll actually take that and say, Hey, they're really close to their max. Let's do this drill instead of this drill. So he's been, he's dove in. He's been awesome about it. Um, so I think uh, to, to bring it back to your question, I think the biggest thing is to be, to be able as, as a coach to take data, the data conversation and make it relatable, just like you would, right? Like I have my verbiage on how to teach a squat. I have my verbiage on how to teach a lunge or how to teach, you know, a bench press, but I have to be able to say it multiple different ways in case athlete A doesn't get needs to hear it this way. Athlete B needs to hear it this way and so on. The same thing with this conversation. I need to be able to communicate it with coaches in different ways and be able to give that same set of data, the same set of information, multiple different ways. So that maybe they need it. They didn't understand it this way, but they understand it this way. Um, so I need to be able to communicate that. So uh, kind of, like I said, I try to boil it down into those two categories, how hard we work, how much we work. Um, and for the most part, they all understand it, they get it. Um, and our coaching staff has done a really good job of understanding the importance of what it can do. Um, and that's, I, I guess, and I probably should have led with this earlier in the day, is that that's a very important piece that your entire coaching staff, sport coaches, especially for those that are using it across multiple sports, they have to be bought into it too. And they have to understand like, hey, this guy, like what we say is right and we need to follow it because if not, like that's when those dangers of injuries and dangers of overcooking and dangers of fatigue um, are going to start to roll out on our athletes. So that's a conversation we have to have from the get go is that, Hey, I just got this. Maybe if, if, if I just got the GPS tools, I would sit down with coaches and say, Hey, I just got this tool. I'm immersing myself in the education of this tool. Uh, but I need you to trust me as a performance professional and a performance practitioner to know that I'm never going to tell you something that's not going to put you in a position to win because that's what this is about. We want our athletes to be on the field. Obviously, there's all the other lessons that they learn in our weight room and they learn through sports. 
at the end of the day, our goal is to give them prepared athletes ready to compete and ready to win. So they have to be on onto the same wavelength to know that I'm not going to tell you to sit a kid out or to pull back on an athlete if it's not really, really important. Because I know they need their reps. Like this kid needs to run a post so many times. This kid needs to run. Uh, you pre- you play soccer, and you know this kid needs to practice his headers coming off of a a, a, a kick. Like I, I don't know. I, I try to relate it to soccer there, and I just completely and totally failed. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Like we're we're all in the same boat. They need to practice. We know they need to practice, but we also want to make sure that they're they're ready to go and they're prepared for the thing that's going to put wins and losses in the wins loss going up the column. Man, that's kind of awesome that you talked about your wide receivers coach, you know, kind of changing his schedule up of drills and everything like that to fit the narrative of your kind of GPS data. You know, that's uh, that's a great, like, I just characteristic of your program and probably one that's why you're, y'all were very successful uh, last season was because of, well, here's my total load of my athletes. Okay, well, I can change drills. That's logistically and logically thinking out sport in order to keep athletes safe and also to almost not i guess run the miles on them right so mm-hmm. like you know it's kind of like a car and I, I always love the car reference you know you know you're not running out miles with your car you're not running your car to the ground um you're not putting eight thousand miles on your car when you know it's not built for that you know it's you know it's that's completely awesome what you're doing over there and the fact that you got your wide receiver coach doing it too that that's sick and i think it's important too because i think many times when i hear people having this conversation they think that it's only a monitoring tool to pull back yes there's obviously times where we need to pull back on athletes to keep them fresh and keep them healthy but it's also a, a a tool to help us put the pedal down when we need to put the pedal down. Like there's been, so, there were several times last season where like our sprint yardage was low for Monday, Tuesday. So Wednesday we stayed after practice and we had two, three sprints to increase our sprint yardage and get us in the range. Um, so that I know that our, t- our hamstrings, our hips, our tissues in general are prepared and are ready because they've see- it hasn't been since last Friday. It hasn't been a whole week since they felt this specific intensity. Right. So like it also, it it's, it's been the number one tool to increase our competition, whether it's off-season sprint work, whether it's in-season practice, whether it's our games. Like our kids are sitting there comparing data now. Like after we taught them like what each one of the things, each one of the metrics are, like they'll, they're sitting at, we have one place to eat after our games. It's Applebee's. It's the only thing that's open. So we'll walk in there after we get done. And like kids already have, they're on their app. Like, hey, look, I ran this and I had this player load and this and that. So like they they, they use it as a tool to talk trash to each other. So like that's pretty cool for me because now not only are am I understanding it better, not only are is our coaching staff understanding it better, our players are understanding it, our players are using utilizing it as a means to to increase competition within themselves. And overall, it's I would attribute it to it at minimum, at minimum, two of our wins last year. I would say th- really three. Um, there's three games that I know specifically. We got to the fourth quarter against a team that when you looked at us and you looked at them, you wouldn't think it was a game. We got to the fourth quarter. We ended up winning, not because we made some tactical, amazing decision, but because our kids were fresh and their kids were not. And we're talking, it's week seven, eight, nine in the season. So like when everybody's breaking down, they're over on their sideline breaking down because they're fatigued, they're worn down. Well, I know for a fact, we made decisions that week 
to pull back on kids. So to make sure that they're fresh that late in the season for what they're going to be asked to do on Friday night. And we rolled into the fourth quarter. We did what we do, which is sit there and just pound the ball on people. Our kids are coming off the field, laughing, smiling, cutting up, having a great time because they're like, man, this kid's got 30 pounds on me, coach. And look what we just did to him. So it's fun for me because I, I can directly correlate. And it's so tangible for us and our coaching staff to know that there was two, potentially three in-region games that our kids were fresh in the fourth quarter, and it made a difference for for us winning and losing ball games because of the decisions we made in practice that week. And that kind of goes to show back to that point, and this is kind of a point that's been on Twitter too. That like, you know, uh, strength and conditioning does a win or loses or win to lose games, and uh, you know there there might be a little truth to that, but it sure as hell don't hurt you at all. You know, to be strong <laughs> and to make logical decisions based on things yeah. like GPS. Uh, I do my I do my best to stay out of conversations like that because I'm I hold very very passionate um, I hold very passionate views on that 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 is a complete and total that is completely and totally false right we have kids that, again you look at us genetically speaking from the kids we lined up against and you're like there's no way this is a ball game they're getting blown out they're getting beat two three scores and we come away with wins not because of we're genetic superior, we're great coaches or this and that, but because our kids are gritty, our kids are tough, our kids do all the things that they're asked to do when they're asked to do, and they're fresh. Like, if you don't believe that that's strength conditioning related or that's performance related, man, I I don't know. I I don't know what other flashing lights to give you other than the fact that we're taking less talented, less gifted kids competing and winning ballgames against people genetically more gifted than us. Um, if, if if that's not tied to strength conditioning and tight tied to the way that we prepare, yes, we practice hard. Yes, we have great position coaches. Yes, we have great play callers. And I would never say that it's because of me. That's not what I mean. But when I say that, but our kids are bought into the system. Our kids are bought into the way that we prepare. And I I think the way that you prepare matters, right? That's a there's a reason why there's a there's a really strong reason why when teams that are supposed to perform in the college and professional level when they're supposed to perform and they don't, there's a reason why strength conditioning coaches are typically feel that fire and feel the pressure, right? Because you were supposed to, you were given talent and we didn't get the job done. We were bigger, we were faster, but we didn't. Well, okay. Well, why did we spend all that time in the weight room then? Right? Like, why did we do all that stuff if we're bigger, faster and we didn't win the ball games? Well, that's because bigger and faster and stronger are only a piece of what we do, right? This GPS conversation has a large play in it. We have to manage players loads, the player load. We have to manage the volume and intensity so that that way we're giving fresh athletes who are able to express everything that we've taught them in the weight room when it comes time to do it on field. Absolutely, Dan. So I, I want to thank you for coming on, man, and kind of a, not a short notice, but like uh, kind of a weekly notice almost and, uh coming on man and i i wanted to hear this gps talk and there's been some buzz around it and i want to see what what kind of uh benefits and there sure is a, a whole lot of benefits from it for sure anybody listening that doesn't have gps i would recommend even if you can if you can afford five units man um it, it goes a long way to to even being able to structure off season just by knowing what five players are doing on your field whether it's an o-line d-line linebacker DB and wide receiver. Like if that's all you can afford is five units, I would, I heavily recommend getting five units. That way, you know, the style of play that you guys are making or the style of play that you guys are playing in, um, you know, the demands of the sport so that you can prepare those kids for next year. 
it goes a long way. It really does. Um, reach out to me. I know, I know all sorts of dealers that, that do catapult Titan sport player tech or sport, uh, sport tech. I know, I know guys on all of them. We can talk about my experience with, with who I use and all that. And I can get you in touch with guys and get you right answers. So. Awesome, man. Thanks for being on, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.